Well, here we are. At home. In our living rooms. With our families. With those we love. Today, wherever you are located. Know that you are not alone. You are not alone. We are still connected. Today, we're gathering as one body. One body. One body. Because the church is not one building. It never has been. We gather today as one church. One church. To lift up one name. The name of Jesus. 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 So wherever you are, today is the day the Lord has made. Today is the day to give him thanks. So let's unite. So let's worship. Let's praise his name. For he is worthy of it today and every day. Because we are still the church. We are the church. We are the church. We are the church. We are the church.
this place right now. God, would you come and do what you want to do? God, we just allow your presence to fill, to fill our homes, to fill the space. And God, would you just begin to speak to us right now as we, as we worship, God? Would you pour in, God, and would you just show your love, God?
week I was praying and there's these lyrics that I just can't get out of my head that I can't get out of my mind um, and Switchfoot wrote a song and it, and, and it says I don't want to just arrive but I want to thrive and I feel like maybe you know maybe some of us have gotten into this spot um, just where 
maybe it, it seems weird or like you're not used to it, but I feel like the Lord has something more for us this morning that we get to go outside the walls of the church and be the church. So we get to worship out of here. It doesn't matter if it's online or if it's in person, but the, the same God that's in the building is the same God that's in your house this morning. It's the same God that's moving and talking to us. And so this morning, can we just worship in, in the aspect of like, if you're listening to like headphones or if you got it on your TV, like go all out, let's ball out. Let the Lord move and just come and do what he wants to do. Like I said, it's the same God that's here, that's in your house. Amen. So Father, we praise you and we thank you. Would you come and do what you want to do? In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so took a breath you breathe your life in me you have been so so
I've been held. 
sink down deep in your heart.
On this day, we remember. We remember your calling. We remember your courage. We remember your sacrifice. We remember your life. We remember what it cost you to pledge your allegiance to your country. Because of you, we can walk in liberty. Because of you, we can sleep in peace. Because of you, the flag is still there. Because of you, this is the land of the free. Because of you, this is the home of the brave. To the families and friends of the heroes we've lost, we salute you. family thank you for joining us this Sunday morning right now we're going to take a moment to honor those who sacrifice themselves for our country thank you now with that church uh, we just want to continue in worship with giving and we wanted to say thank you for giving faithfully because of that we're actually able to reach people in multiple ways now with that we're going to get ready to pray for the offering join me as we bow our heads and close our eyes God, you're so good. Jesus, let this moment be a reflection of faith. Let this moment be a, a transfer of trust, not a transfer of possession. God, let us give back to you, Lord. We're excited to see what you're doing. We're excited for the future, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, church, so uh, this week we actually kicked off our spring grow groups, and we have over 76 people involved, Come on. and it is not too late to get involved. All you got to do is download the Church Center app, and then you uh, type in Grace Church, add that, or you can go to our website. Yep, and with that, take a seat, grab your coffee, get settled in. We're continuing week two of our new series, Essentials. Here we go. with you today. I'm so glad that we have this opportunity to join together and worship and now get into the Word. Hey, I want to give a big shout out to, to all of our friends that are watching us from different states. It's really cool to hear from some of you guys that have been responding to us, been watching us online. It's so cool that our Grace family is expanding out of our local area. That's the great thing about doing something like this, is that God is, is using this, what's happening in the local area of Federal Way, Washington, and He's using that, and He's blessing people from all over the country. So I just wanted to acknowledge you to say thank you for tuning in, thank you for watching. We love you. Thank you for joining us. And for the rest of our Grace Church family that you've already called Grace Church home, thank you for joining us, being committed to this. Uh, you know, one of the cool things is this last week we kicked off our six life groups or grow groups. And uh, it's been so fun to see uh, um, everybody connecting in that way. 
And everybody's committed to growing and, and, uh, and connecting with each other to learn from one another. And we just had a great turnout. So way to go. Also, our prayer meetings are on Tuesday nights. And uh, that's been fun. And that's been an amazing thing. Even in the midst of all this, we're finding ways to continue to be the church. So thank you. Thank you for being part of that. And I'm just so excited for what God has in store for Grace Church. Well, you know, last week we kicked off a new series called Essentials, and this is week two. This is week two, so thank you for joining in. And you might wonder, what does this, this whole thing mean about the essentials? Because we heard that word so much in our news feeds, and, and everybody's talking about what is essential and non-essential. And so I wanted to take that word, and I wanted us to think about it in our own spiritual life, in our own walk of faith, and say, what is the essential things? What are the things that we need to anchor our lives into during these times, especially when things feel unstable. And so that's what we've been talking about. That's what we've been unpacking. But before we dive into the word, let's, let's get our hearts prepared for the Lord to speak to us. So let's take a moment and pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to, to just join together with our church body, God, and to receive. We've already acknowledged your presence, Lord, through worship. And now we're asking for your voice to be loud and clear into every heart, God, that is listening and open to your holy word. So God, that's us. And we're saying yes and amen to whatever you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, hey, last week I kicked off uh, this whole thing with, with this verse. It comes out of the book of James. And um, some of you guys are familiar with this, but this is going to kind of be the, the headliner for our series here. It says this, it says, James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, from above from heaven. And it says that it comes down from the father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And last week I mentioned that it is so amazing to know that we serve a God who doesn't change. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And though times can change and many things can change in our world, it's actually something that we know is, that is certain in our world is that things will change. But God, he never changes. He stands true forever. And I love that. That's encouraging in itself. And last week we talked about the essential truth of this is that we have access to heaven. That's something that we need to anchor our lives in is that even though we might feel like things are closing or things are closed, we know heaven is always open to a child of God. Heaven is stored up with resources. That's the good news. It's stored up with resources for us that we get to experience not just someday, but today. Heaven is not just a place that we go to when we die. No, heaven is a place that we get to experience here on earth through the presence of God, through his presence in our everyday life. I love that, that Jesus gave us the access to that heavenly realm. And, and, and Jesus often talked about this in his teachings. He talked about the kingdom of God coming down on earth. And, and, and he talked about how the kingdom of God is with us. It's with us. In every heart who, who lets Jesus reign and rule over their hearts and in their lives. He also taught in prayer when he said, when you pray, he said, say it this way. He says, our father who is where? In heaven. He says, hallowed be thy name. Your will be done. Listen to this. On earth as it is in heaven. I mean, Jesus made it very clear that, that heaven could be present with the believer in their hearts and in their lives and on this earth. Not only do we have access to heaven and to all the resources, but heaven's resources, they're given to us here on earth so that it would give us the power to live out God's will. That's what he's saying here. 
And though Jesus gives us this access, and, and though we have this access, many of us don't know how to tap in to that resource. They don't know how to tap into it. So last week, I tried to unpack a little bit of how do we do this in our lives practically? How do we practice this? How do we do this? How does it become real to us? Not just a theory, but something that we experience, because that's what God wants. That's his will for us, is to experience all the things that he tells us in the word of God. And so I try to help us out with saying that the really the big question for us is, is where is our faith? And we knew this is that accessing heaven requires faith. It requires faith. See, having faith in God is not just believing in God, but it's trusting in God, putting your life in his hands. See, we can all believe in something, but I'm telling you, we don't really exercise faith unless we really learn to walk in it and trust in it. And that's how God wants us to live our lives is that type of faith, to really place it in his hands and trust him in all things. And that's the kind of faith that God is looking for in a believer's life. Hebrews eleven six says this, it says that without that kind of faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him, and that's what prayer does, is that we start to pray, it starts to develop our faith because we can't see God, but we believe that God exists and that God hears our prayers. And I love that about the scripture because it just is something that builds my faith in this and know that if I trust in him and if I come to him and I believe in him, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Last week, we talked about what happens when we access the presence of God, heaven on earth, through prayer, through faith, is that we get an exchange, that there is an exchange that happens, that God will, will take what we bring to him and that he would re- give us what we need when we need it. And we can confidently, confidently go to him in those times for all things and in all things. Why? Because God says and he declares that he rewards, he resources those who seek him with all their hearts. So the challenge for all of us walking away from last week was this, is do we have a craving for the things of heaven? Do we have this appetite developing us to want to? Because I said this, is that you will never access what God wants for you unless you crave what he wants to bring to you. And that was convicting. That was challenging even for myself to say, God, help me to continue to crave the things of heaven the things that you want to bring to me. And so that was essential truth number one, is that we have this great access to heaven, and we can't forget that, especially right now. But today's essential truth is this, is that we can count on the goodness of God. That we can count on the goodness of God. We just got done singing about God's goodness, and I hope that that put a smile on your face. See, God's goodness is one of the fundamental teachings, one of the fundamental things about God. Why? Because it is part of God's character. You know, when, when Misty and I, as, as, our, as our kids were growing up and starting to understand our faith and understand who God is, uh, we, we, we taught them to say these prayers. Some of you parents know this. You, you teach your kids these prayers at mealtime. And, and I remember teaching our kids this, this, this prayer every time that we got together to thank God. And we say, God is, God is great. God is good. Thank you for our food, right? And, and it was just this idea that just get this planted in the kid's heart, these pillars of God is God's greatness and God's goodness. And that's where a lot of us, that's where we start when we talk about God's character is that God is great and God is good. You know, here, here at Grace Church, we like to say this to each other. We say, God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. Come on, you can even put that in the comments there because we build our faith up with that. When I hear somebody say that, I, I believe it and I trust in that and it builds me up. 
It's not just this Christian cliche, but it is truth to a believer who understands the goodness of God. But the tension for many people is, is that true, that God is good all the time? There's a tension in people's hearts sometimes when they say, man, is he good when, when, when I don't feel good? Is he good when there's some circumstances that happen in my life that don't seem good? Is God still good? Can you still declare in those moments that God is good all the time? I mean, remember what we're saying here. Is that always true for us? You know, when, when there is times where we experience pain, is he good? When, when, when we have conflict in our lives, when we feel stressed, when we feel overwhelmed with anxiety and it's out of control, can I still believe that in the midst of that, God is good? Or is that just something that we say? Is it just a saying to us? When deep inside, we're questioning now and we're saying, God, I, I want to believe, but help my unbelief because this time is hard. Now, I want to be honest with you. If you're, if you're listening to today, this is the battle that, that comes in our lives. This is the tension that many of us feel at many times in our lives. And it's in those times that we need to put our focus on God's goodness. It is so essential for our faith and to live out the life that God has for us to live. See, when we forget God's goodness, contradictions of our faith start to rise up. Our ground starts to feel a little bit shaky. And, we, and when we lack focus on that, when we forget about God's goodness, when we stop focusing and believing in that and having a solid anchor in our hearts, then I'm telling you, that's when a lot of fear and anxiety and worry flood our hearts and our lives. I've seen many Christians, right, and especially right now, they're, they're, it's a little bit shaky right now. And I think it's because we've lost sight and lost focus of the goodness of God. But the truth of, the, of everybody's heart is this, is that is God really good all the time? Because this is going to be challenged. This is going to be challenged. If it hasn't happened already, it will be in the future because this is always a challenge. And how do I know God's goodness when I can't feel it? We're definitely feelers, aren't we? We want to feel good all the time. And when we don't feel good, we start to question that. But the answer this morning, my friends, is this, is that yes, he is good all the time. And yes, we can believe it. Yes, we can stand on that. And I'm not talking in this fake it until you make it kind of way. I'm talking about a real, genuine, full of joy and peace kind of way. I believe that that is part of heaven's resource to us, is that we can understand the goodness of God. And that has to be an essential truth of our faith. You know, the only way that we could truly understand the goodness of God is by knowing the character of God. That's it. That's how I believe that we really understand this, that it becomes less of our head knowledge and more of our heart knowledge of really knowing God's character. So how do you know God's character? How do you really trust God's character? Well, we first have to experience it through the word of God. There's no other way. And I'm talking about personally for you to experience, not just one time, but to continue reading God's word, continue to have that practice of getting God's word and finding revelation in it to confirm who God says he is to see his character, and it becomes more clear the more you get into God's word. See, sometimes as we get older, we tend to live off the things of the past. You know, we, some of us are living off of these th ideas of God and these stories of God that we heard as kids, and we never really kind of explore that any longer. We just kind of take it as it is as a kid, and we kind of live off that, or we just take what the preacher says. And, and there's nothing wrong with those foundations, but it has to go beyond that. God is intending for us to go deeper with him personally.
You know, those things are jump starts, but they're not meant to sustain us. We have this personal uh, access to God himself so that we could discover more of him. And that's what he wants. That's what the beauty of getting into his word, because it's through his spirit. While we read the word, we begin to find a deeper revelation, find him in a more personal way. We start to understand his character, his personality. And as we do that, we see God's goodness on display. I mean, think about it. When you read God, in, uh, God uh, the story in the Bible, all the stories in the Bible, and you see how God interacts with people, you see his character. You see his goodness. Each chapter talks about God's goodness. Each, even in his warnings, you see his goodness. Even in his blessings, you see his goodness. So take time to discover that through the word. The character of God is written throughout every page and every verse. And we can start to see it. And then when you do that, you start to recognize it in your own life. That's how you learn and experience it in a personal way. See, the Bible is full of scriptures that declare the goodness of God. You need to be familiar with those verses. You need to hold on to those verses. Let me give you one real quick here this morning. It's, it's Psalms 105, or 100 verse 5. It says this. It says, for the Lord is good. It is right off the bat. The Lord is good. What's one of the reasons why he's good? It tells us right here. Because his unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. Why is he good? Because his unfailing love for us, it never stops. God is always faithful to us. I don't know if you have ever experienced that before, but is it more than just, just a word on a page? Or is it something that's expressed through your life? That God has been faithful to you. And God has shown you unconditional love. I mean, come on, those are reasons to shout that God is good because of his love and his faithfulness. I love how the word can just give us a springboard for that. Here's another Psalms that gives us insight on how to experience God's goodness personally, because that's really what it's about. It's not about what I say, but it's about what you believe. It's about what you're putting your faith in. But it's got to be personal. Psalms uh, 34.9, this is the message version, and it says this. It says, worship God if you want the best. I love that. It says, worship opens doors to all of God's goodness. See, in order to know God's goodness, we need to spend time not only in the word, but also in worship. The Bible tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people, that there's a special presence when we start to declare God's goodness. And all of a sudden, there's something in us that just starts to happen and we open up to the presence and the manifestation of God with us. Because the worship centers our heart and it centers our mind to him. And when we do that, we begin to see his goodness, his goodness, because God is good, right? Worship centers us into that space to remind us of his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness to us. You know, there's a story in the Gospels about this rich young guy that shows up and, and crosses paths with Jesus. This is referred to as the rich young ruler. Many of you guys are familiar with that story. I bet there's lots of sermons that you've heard in regards to following Jesus with that story. And I think that's true. I, I think that's, there's a lot of meaning behind the cost of following Jesus. But as I was reviewing it this week, I was, I was catching something else in there about the character of God through that passage. You could find this one in several of the Gospels, but I'm referring to the one in Luke chapter 18, that version of it, verse 18, and we'll have it on the screen. But I just want to tell you that this young man comes to Jesus and he refers to Jesus as a good teacher, which seems very reasonable to address Jesus at that time, right? Good teacher, that's what you probably should say to Jesus if you're just getting to know him. You know, he's just discovering who he really is. 
And he asked Jesus this question. He says, what must I do? In other words, what must I do to receive eternal life? What amount of good do I need to do to inherit something good at the end of my life? I mean, that's what really what he was saying. And what you have to know is that in these days, a rabbi's answer to that question would determine whether he was worthy of you following him, of you giving up everything to find his way. And so Jesus, he, he gives them an answer, but it's a very unique answer. As I was looking at it, I said, what a response. And Jesus says this, he says, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. See, later we see in this dialogue with Jesus is that this man's standard of good was measured by someone's morality, their ethics, and their outward expression. Yet Jesus defines it as something deeper than that. See, he defines good as being perfect. Jesus says there's only one who is perfect in goodness, and that's God. See, this guy, he believed that, that being good or, or, or good came out of what you do. But how many of you know that you could do a lot of good things with a bad motive? Jesus defines good as character. And he said there's only one who has the character of a pure motive that everything that they say and everything that they do is good. And he says that one is God. See, if you keep reading this passage, it tells us that Jesus tells this man to sell all his possessions and give all his money to the poor and follow him. And then Jesus even says that when you do that, heaven will begin to resource you. But this man sadly declines Jesus' offer and walks away. Here's the question for all of us. Do you measure God's goodness in someone's life? Do you see somebody as living the good life by their wealth and their possessions? Or is it about following Jesus? See, the problem for this man is that he couldn't be content and joyful in following Jesus without his wealth and possessions. See, it's so easy for us to say, oh, God is good when things are going good, when we have all the things going for us, when, when we're getting these things that we feel like are bringing more value to us and, 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 and we're accumulating that, just like this young guy. But the big question for all of us is, can we still trust God and proclaim that he's good when those things are no longer there or taken from us or we can't obtain it in those moments? And I'm telling you, friends, that this is going to be the biggest temptation for any Christ follower and something that we'll have to do battle with. Well, you might be wondering, well, I didn't sign up for that. Well, you don't have to. As you follow Jesus, there's going to be opposition. There's going to be a battle for your mind and for your heart. Do I need to remind you that we have an enemy out there that doesn't want you to follow Jesus, and he wants you to feel defeated by distorting your understanding of God's goodness? And this enemy, he'll do everything he can to make you doubt the goodness of God. So we've got to be aware of the enemy's tactics. And I think scripture reveals that. He wants us to be aware. God wants us to be aware of how the enemy rolls. Because here's the thing. The enemy is so deceptive that he likes to change and twist words in the Bible. Things that we want to live by and adopt in our lives. And he tries to change those words and change the definition of those words. And one of those words is good. That's why there's a warning in the book of Isaiah that says this. It says, whoa, or be careful. It's a warning for those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. See, the enemy has his own definition of what is good, and it's not the heavenly version. And he planted that in the world system, right? The values of the, of the world. 
And when I talk about the world, I'm not talking about earth, okay? I'm not talking about the people. I'm saying that there's a system, there's a value system that the enemy is influencing. That's what I'm talking about when I say the world. And the enemy has his own version of what is good, but God has a different one of how he defines it. And let me give you some examples here of of the difference between that version versus God's version. See, the world says that you measure goodness in comfort. And we can take that definition and we can apply it with our life and faith in God. And we say, God, why are you not giving me good things to make my life more comfortable? See, we need to remind it that God's definition of good is not us waking up each day and striving for a more comfortable life. In fact, Jesus tells us that there's going to be times in our lives where it's not going to feel comfortable, where it's going to be hard, and we're going to go through trials. He said, but, but take courage because I have overcome it. You can follow me, and I'll walk you through that. See, God's definition is that we are comforted. He gives us his spirit to comfort us. 2 Corinthians 1.3 says that the Father of compassion and God of all comfort, he gives us comfort in our troubles. Oh, man, that's how good he is, is that he comforts us. See, there's a big difference between having his comfort internally that will set us apart regardless of how hard circumstances can become. Now, if you and I can truly believe that God can allow us to be comforted without changing the circumstances in our life, then we can begin to understand how God's goodness extends far beyond our present circumstances. Because God always has a plan and his plan is always good and he's working it out. But the goodness of God comforts us in those moments. We got to grab a hold of that. We have to believe that. We have to hold on to that truth. You know, we hear these things about, about it and we have to be mindful of how we're aligning our lives around what idea of good. Is it the world's definition or is it God's definition? You know, this whole battle and this whole tension, it all started long ago, long ago from the very beginning in the garden. Leah, I'll take you back to the very beginning in in Genesis. We know the creation story, right? What did God do? What did God say? What did he declare over all his creation? He says, it is good. It is good. From the very beginning, we see the goodness of God in his nature because he created things and they were beautiful and they were holy and they were righteous. They were good. Now, fast forward into Genesis 3, and we kind of see in the fall of man what happens. God tells Adam and Eve that they could eat everything in the garden except for one fruit from one specific tree. He says you could enjoy the bounty of everything else, but stay away from this one thing. God's goodness was that he gave them access to everything, gave them dominion, gave them authority with all these things. But he wanted mankind to trust them in this one thing. I think that that's always been the thing in the heart of man, right? We could trust God, but then there's just that one thing that we struggle with, right? So watch how the enemy in this conversation with Eve, listen to how he twists that truth and how he can lead her into questioning God's goodness. It's Genesis 3, 1, he says this. He says, now the serpent was more crafty than all the wild animals that the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat of any tree in the garden? See, right from there, he's trying to get... Eve to question God's goodness, God's goodness. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of all the trees in the garden. That's not what God said. He said, he said, you just must not eat from the fruit of this tree in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you'll die. Then the serpent said, you will not certainly die for God knows that if you eat this, that your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit was good for, for food and pleasing to the eye, 
And she also desired for gaining wisdom. She took it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it as well. See, the first thing that the enemy did to redefine Eve, uh, to battle with Eve and, and Adam and all mankind was to try to distort the definition of good. He twisted that truth, and as a result, Adam and Eve, them choosing the wrong definition of good, they walked into a life of hostility, and they lost their peace. See, we need to redeem that word good through trusting God and his goodness. Here's another story in the Bible. You remember Joseph, the guy with the coat of many colors? Many of us know that story. There's a lot of lessons to be learned there. But we see in his life that he, was, he had a hard one, right? There was a lot of crazy things, terrible things, no good things that happened in his life. He was sold into slavery by his brothers, the people that he trusted and he loved, that cared for him. He saw them betray him, treat him unfairly. You know, sometimes in our lives, we can go in through circumstances that seem unfair. I think many of us can say that there are times in our lives where that feels that way. Maybe even right now, you're walking through a time that says it just doesn't seem fair. Well, the temptation in those moments is to bail out on God, to get frustrated and think that maybe, maybe it's not always good. Maybe his goodness isn't for me. But you look at Joseph's life and you see that moment and there's, there's the ending where he has his brothers, the ones that treated him this way, and he, they're standing before him. And he has every power to seek revenge over them, but he doesn't. What does he say? He says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. What does that tell us? That even though there are some negative circumstances that we go through, God can have a good plan in it. Now, I'm not saying God causes it, yet he can make good come out of it. Have you ever heard the scripture in the Bible that says this, is that God can cause everything to work together for the good, for those that are called according to his purposes, those who love him? See, if we're not careful, we could just easily read this passage with the de- definition of the, of the world's value of good. We can think that, that, that God's support and his resources will define that good when God has probably a different definition of what that good means. So what is God's good for us? What does that mean that he can work all things for the good for those who love him that are called according to his purposes? What does that really mean? Does it, does it, do we see it the same way that God sees it? Well, let me help us out real quick. And this is the main idea for this entire talk today. This is something that you need to write down is this, is that I'm going to boil it down to one sentence here. God's goodness is that the image of Christ be displayed in your life. That the brilliance of Jesus' life being fully experienced and expressed through your life and through my life. Everything that God wants to resource in our lives is for that definition of good. Good is Christ's life in us and through us. All things, all things work together for the brilliance of Jesus shining in and through you. I don't know if we always get that. I don't know if that's always what our minds think of when we think of that passage, but that is what it's saying here, is that that's what heaven resources for God's will, and God's will is for us to express and to understand and to live in and through us is the expression of Jesus on this earth. We are called his body. You know, it made me think about how this works sometimes in our lives and why sometimes we get frustrated. So I'm going to uh, give you a little example here. Uh, any puzzle people, people out there, right? Uh, you know, you, some of you guys are doing big puzzles right now because, you know, just to be honest, there's nothing 
nothing else to do sometimes, right? We, we've binged all the shows already, and now we're working on puzzles. Well, that's what happened in the Laura household. I ran out of shows to watch. I bought a few puzzles, brought them home, and, uh, you know, so far it's not real popular at the Laura household. Uh, I get Sylvia to help me out every now and then, but I like puzzles, and, and, I, and I go through them, and one of the things I do is I realize that no two pieces look the same. But how I try to, try to work through these puzzles is I look at the box and I look at the picture and then I try to look and see the shades that I have in the puzzle pieces so that I know where they go. I know the areas that they're in. Missy likes to play a trick on me and hide the box sometimes, you know. That's not fun. Uh, but, but as I look at these pieces and I look at them, then when I look at that, I, I look at the box because I know that, that what I'm building, even though I don't understand it in the moment, I know that there's a bigger picture. God wants us to live our lives that way in faith to know that the bigger picture is in the image of Christ. And sometimes we take the pieces that we're given, the things that put in our lives, and they're meant to express the image of Christ. And yet sometimes I have the wrong picture in my mind of what that looks like. And so I'm trying to fit these pieces and they're not working and I get frustrated with God. I say, God, where's your goodness? And he gives us the blessings. He gives us the things, but they're the resources to make us more like Christ. And we're sitting here going, no, I want it to make me look more like this. Maybe we're looking at the wrong image. Maybe we're putting all the pieces and we're getting frustrated because they don't seem to fit. Because let me tell you what God's resourcing us for is something greater and bigger than what we can imagine. And that's the beauty of Christ in us and through us. That's why the scripture tells us very clearly in Romans 12, it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Changing the way you think about what is good and God's goodness. And then it says you will be able to test and prove and know what. God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. See, the end result of the puzzles, pieces in our life is to make us look more like Jesus. And every puzzle piece, every blessing God gives us is to fit perfectly so that we can keep building what God's doing in us. Back to the story of the rich young ruler. Notice that Jesus didn't correct him when he called him good. He just wanted to know, why do you call me good? And I think maybe today, maybe God is asking us that same question. If we are the people that are like, hey, God is good all the time. We say God is good. Maybe God's asking us this today as you're watching, why do you believe I'm good? What would you say to Jesus? Of course, many of us can list all these blessings, you know. We could, and, and, and we know that every blessing we have, it can all be point to God's goodness in our lives, of course. We could say, Jesus, you're good because you bless me. But here's the reality. God is good because it's in his nature. And he shows us his goodness because he is good. And that's what we have to stand on when this is challenged. I know God's goodness. How do we know God's goodness? How do we know God's goodness? Let me tell you right here. It's through the life and the mission of Jesus. And it's in him that we're blessed. Ephesians 1.3 says this, Praise be to God our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Man, that's a good thing to be blessed, isn't it? We all want to be blessed. We love that word blessed, but listen to what he says. He says, the blessing, it's a spiritual blessing. This is different than what we probably thought. We might think that it's money or things or possessions, but he says, no, we are blessed with a spiritual blessing in Christ. And it's this word, it's the same word that's talking about the spirit breathe moment that we have these spiritual blessings, that everything we need, everything that we have access to, it is through the Holy Spirit. Everything that we need, God has prepared it for us through the Holy Spirit. 
And when we walk in proximity with the Spirit, we can gain access to all these heavenly things. Isn't that a good thing? That everything is good is access to, uh, we have access to through the Holy Spirit. But here's the tension that we battle. Here's the tension that we have, is that the Spirit and our flesh are always in a competition for our hearts and our lives. And those of us who follow Jesus, we are uh, uh, full of the Holy Spirit, but, but there's a pull that teaches us and shows us what is good in God's sight. And we have to be able to, to say, resist the flesh that's trying to put us in a different desire and seek out the other things. But when we walk close to the Spirit, we begin to break free from the desires of the flesh and we can take hold of the good things that God has in store for us. I'll give you this last example as I'm wrapping up here. You know, one of the things uh, uh, that I hate is when I go out and I try to water my grass or water my garden and I'm pulling the hose out there and there's a kink in the hose. Don't you hate that? I hate that. And, uh, and, and, and what happens when there's a kink in the hose? I think sometimes spiritually that's what happens is that we have a kink in our hose. God wants to pour down his resources. He wants to pour down all the things that he wants to make our lives in, 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 and do in our lives. But spiritually, when we start to gravitate towards the things of the flesh, it's like we put a kink in that relationship, where we, where we stop it, it's just trickling down, and God's not the one who wants to do that. And I believe that there are people watching today that you're living your lives with a kink in your relationship with God, with heaven's resources, with, with the connection that you once had with God, but like you've allowed it because you're, you're pursuing these other things, and you need to allow that thing to be released from you. God wants you to experience all of his goodness Maybe many of us who've been walking with God for, for a while now, maybe, maybe, maybe we're wondering like, okay, God, where is it? Where, where, how do I obtain this? And I'm saying, just get back to that place where you f- get to the foundational truth that God is good all the time and that you can praise him for all the things that he's done in your life. Yeah. And you get back to that place of worship and exalting him and you start seeing his marker all over your life and how that will flow the resources of heaven for you to hold on to to anchor your soul to, especially during times like this. And here's the thing about it is that, is that it's not just meant for you, but when you truly focus on the goodness of God, it should be coming out of you. It should be what people see. And I'm wondering, are people seeing God's goodness through your life, even in the midst of everything going on today? Will they see God's goodness? Because the world needs to see God's goodness because God's goodness is available to all who come to him. Now, I know that Satan comes and he tries to come and he tries to twist it. And he did this really well in the garden. And he, and he planted that in the heart of man. But Jesus came to redeem that in the cross. See, it's through the cross we see really how good God is, don't we? That he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him would, would be rescued, would not die, but would have everlasting life. That he took our place for the penalty of sin that we deserve. I mean, that is the goodness of God on display for all of us. And maybe somebody here who's watching, maybe you haven't experienced that goodness of God through redemption, through salvation, through the body, the blood of Jesus Christ for you. To believe in the resurrection. He didn't just stay dead, but he resurrected. I mean, that is the goodness of God, isn't it? Having that new life. To see his goodness through him sending us the Holy Spirit that dwells with us and in us. I mean, we can experience this each and every day through being led by the Holy Spirit and experiencing his goodness each and every day as we do this life with him, leading us and guiding us through life. 
That's why, my friends, God is good. And his goodness can be trusted. So we need to anchor our heart into that truth that we believe that we believe and trust in the goodness of God at all times. So will you choose that today? Maybe today is is the very first time that you're going to accept this moment and say, Jesus, (laughs) I accept the goodness of what you did for me on the cross. And I come as a sinner broken and needing grace. So I come to you and ask you for forgiveness. And the goodness of God is that he will forgive you when you confess, when you open your lives to him. And he would instill his Holy Spirit in you to lead you and guide you and bring all the resources of heaven to give you an empowered life, to live above, to live in victory, to live in peace. That's the goodness of God, is that it's for everyone and anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that's you. I want you to take a moment and you pray. And for some of us who have just seemed to veer off from that truth, we need to be anchored in. We're living in fear and anxiety right now. We don't know, we don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And we need to hold on to the goodness of God no matter what, that God is always good all the time, all the time. God is good. Come on, let it be more than just a saying and let it be something that we put in our hearts and live by every day and what we post and what we share and what we talk about that we're always sharing about the goodness of God all the time because all the time God is good. Come on, if you believe that, then proclaim it today. Live it out in front of your neighbors, coworkers, family. Well, I always want to close as a, a, a prayer for anyone here today. Anyone that's watching right now, if you're open to this, just let the Lord speak. Whatever he spoke to you today, respond to it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for being good to us. So, so good. I thank you, God, that your goodness is beyond our mistakes and is beyond all the things that we try to do as a performance or or all the things that we try to put on a checklist to just show that we're good people. But God, you love us and you made us good through you, through your goodness, Lord God. You chose us even in spite of our sin and our mistakes, God. Your love, your goodness, Lord God, it rescued us, Lord. It redeemed us. It, lo- it chased after us at our worst point. You came and you, and you built us up, Lord, and you restored us, Lord. And I thank you for that. So if anybody senses that today and they want to express that today, Lord, I pray right now, wherever they're sitting, wherever they're at, that they receive that in Jesus' holy name. God, I pray for any of us right now that are just experiencing worry and fear and anxiety over things, Lord God. Let us right now just anchor our heart in the truth of Scripture and the truth of your word that we know that you are good, that your goodness is going to keep us no matter what. And your good is always going to work through our lives to help build us up into the image of the beautiful Son, Jesus, to be more like him. We thank you for that, Holy Spirit. Continue to do your work. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hold on to that truth. Thank you so much for bringing us into your home today and wherever you're at. Hey, we want, to know that, we want you to know that we're available to you. Uh, there should be a number that drops, and, and we'll post it. If you need prayer today, we would love to pray with you. If you want to just connect with someone, you want to connect with our church, go ahead and contact us. We'd love to connect with you. And uh, we're excited about this new season here and going to our grow groups and all the stuff that God has in store. We know there's going to be a lot of updates happening this week about reopening the church and when that is. I know there's a lot of questions and we definitely want to bring you in and show you what our plan is here at Grace Church. So we'll keep you posted for that. Look for it. We love you. God bless you. See you next week.
What a great word this weekend. If you have any questions or prayer requests or just want to get connected, go ahead and text the number on the screen below. Facebook and the Church Center app and our website are also great ways to get connected, to see what's going on, how we're doing it. Any events that we have on the upcoming months are going to be updated there. Keep checking back. We have so much planned. We're so excited. Have an amazing week. We love you.